0: to thank you today for sending Jesus to pay our sin debt. Lord, we thank you for paying the price through your shed blood. That's why we're here today and can praise you in this place freely, because of your grace. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, please speak to us a word that will empower us in your grace, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good to be with you this morning at Triad Adventist Fellowship. I'm Gary Moyer. I'm the Vice President for Administration for the Carolina Conference, and I brought my wife Lisa with me. Wave, Lisa. She hates when I do that, but she waves anyway. I want to share something with you from the uh, Word of God that has had a major impact in my life, and I, I pray it will be a blessing for you also. I picture it as a a clear, cloudless night. The full moon beaming its reflection of the sun. But the sun of God was not beaming, but breaking. Under the weight of of the sins of the entire world. And under that weight he fell to the ground on his hands and knees clutching the earth that he had created as if to not be separated from his father hanging on. His tunic Was soaked with sweat clinging to his body. Crimson tinted drops fell from his forehead to the earth. Turn with me to Matthew 26 in your Bible or your device. Matthew 26. We're going to read verses 36 through 42. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face. And prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. As I read this, I realize that Jesus here was so overwhelmed, he literally fell to the ground in his weakness. Have you ever been there? I've been there once in my life. Yet Jesus made it through the toughest, the most difficult, grueling time in his life. And because he did, we can live forever. Amen? Because he endured that all the way to the cross. And the strength that Jesus displayed there in the garden included something called transparency. transparency like jesus friends when our tough times come in life if we're going to see it through we need to be see-through christians we need to practice transparency in our lives vulnerability many times and this transparency first of all and foremost includes transparency with god amen Being very transparent with God. I want you to look at verse 39 here again, where it says, Jesus went a little farther, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now, since Jesus and the Father are one, and we're together on that here, right? Jesus and the Father are one. (laughs) Since Jesus and the Father are one, did the Father know Jesus was struggling? Of course he did Yet Jesus verbalizes his struggle to the father Not because the father needed to be informed But because the son needed to be embraced He was hurting So What we're talking about is transparency This is not defeatism This is not pessimism This is transparency It's saying, here's where I am in life. Here's what I need. I need you, God. I can't do this without you. On the cross, Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? Why didn't he just say, everything's good. I can do this. Because transparency is so very, very important. On the cross, Jesus was struggling seeing past the cross to the resurrection and he cries out to God in transparency a well-known verse that's a clarion call to transparency is 1 John 1 9 you probably know it if you know it say it along with me if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from what all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. Here's my God. Here's my problem, God. Here's my weakness. Here's what I'm struggling with, my sin. I cannot do this without you, God. I need you. I'm a mess. I need your help. Transparency with God. If you think about that verse, 1 John 1, 9, quite literally, think about it. We need transparency to be saved right how am i going to be saved if i'm not willing to admit i need to be saved we need to say lord i am a sinner i'm a mess i need your help i need your salvation i can't do this on my own and admit it to god lay it all not just say i'm a sinner but lay out my sin it's easy to say i'm a sinner but to just say here it is lord here's my mess and you know what when we do that with god immediately we're forgiven isn't that beautiful he doesn't make us come crawling and beating ourselves forgiven and if i ever bring that back up again to god that god remember that sin i talked to you about? god is like uh i don't remember that i distinctly remember forgetting that and that's what he expects us to do also But this transparency with God is more than when we just accept Jesus. This needs to be an ongoing lifestyle with the God, to to constantly be open to him at all times in what we're doing, completely transparent and vulnerable. And again, this constant opening of our hearts is not because God needs to know this. We need our transparency. We need to be transparent. It's for our benefit because, see, when I'm really transparent, then that's when I'm truly relying on him. But when I'm saying, no, it's good, then I'm relying on me, and now I'm in big trouble (laughs) because I let me down all the time. So if we're going to see it through in this life, we need to be see-through Christians. We need to practice transparency, vulnerability in life. And you you see this life of transparency all through the Bible. With the, the major characters of the Bible, we see this all through people who we see as pillars of the faith, people of faith, we see transparency. You think of the book of Job, of all places, Job's transparency with God, right? David and Joseph with his brothers. We could talk about all the characters of the Bible. They're real with God. They're transparent. They're vulnerable with him. Psalm 32. I'm going to turn there right now. Psalm 32, verses 3 to 5, just an example of this. This is David here, Psalm 32, beginning in verse 3. And this is when it appears when uh, he had had the sin with Bathsheba, was covering up. Here's his story, just part of it. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. You See, sometimes we deceive ourselves. We even tell ourselves, I'm okay, it's good psalm 32 verse 3 when i kept silent what happened my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me ever had the holy spirit's hand on you saying you know what there's something you need to do here my vitality was turned into the drought of summer but notice what happens here when he confesses i acknowledge my sin to you And my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And you can almost hear David exhale. (sighs) Finally, relief. God didn't call David to be a man after his own heart because David was perfect. We know better. (laughs) We've read the record. The Bible's real. David was a man after God's own heart because he always eventually fell before God and said here I am here's what I've done I need you in one case it took Nathan another believer in Christ to come beside him we'll talk about that you want to be a man after God's own heart want to be a woman after God's own heart it takes transparency and sometimes that means vulnerability before God the strong and godly among us admit our weaknesses and we find our help when we will do that Remember the strong, godly apostle, Paul. 2 Corinthians, let's read what he had to say. The strong man of faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And he said to me, Paul says, speaking of Jesus, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is perfect in your strength. Oh, did I get that wrong? My strength is perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. This is the beauty of the Christian life. When we will bear our soul to God, when we'll be transparent, when we will be vulnerable and say, just admit our weakness, that's when we find our strength. The grace of Christ is sufficient for us. Personally, I was a lost man well into my 20s. And it was because I never really realized or would admit my sinful condition. I had duped myself that I'm a pretty good guy. You know, relativism, you know how that works. I haven't stolen anybody's car. I don't go around raping women, I don't, right? I'm a pretty good guy. And then I wondered why my life was so empty because I, I was just living in denialism. But when I came to see my true state finally and the sin that separated me from the loving God who wanted to embrace me, if I, when I realized I was running from the one I needed, And then came to him, it's amazing what he does, what he does in our lives. He frees us. I I found my strength and, and victory in life. Proverbs 28 13. Proverbs 28 13 speaks to this, speaks to the transparency that we need. Proverbs 28 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. You need mercy? Mercy. We all need mercy, don't we? Every one of us. Have you laid your life open before God? Not just said, yeah, I'm a sinner, I need you. I mean, really, have you laid it open and said, God, (laughs) you already know this, but I need to tell you this. Here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm done. Here's my weakness. Here's my mess. Have you specifically admitted those weaknesses, those sins, those fears, your utter need for him? The beauty of it is when you do, he'll forgive you and he will free you. It is beautiful what God will do when his people will be transparent. So again, if we're going to see it through this life, we need to be see-through Christians. And that starts, and most importantly, is with transparency with God. But it also often includes transparency with someone else, another human being. Back to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, back to Matthew 26. I'm going to read verses 36 through 38 again. I'm going to emphasize some things. Then Jesus came with them... To a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Here we see Jesus, our Savior our substitute, our example, our role model, reaching out to other human beings near him in complete transparency. Saying, you know what, guys? I am so down, I I just want to die. I can't handle this. I need you to stay here with me. Will you stay here with me? Will you pray for me? That's deep transparency. Transparency. Now, the disciples did not do a good job of watching and praying. I mean, falling asleep is pretty bad. But you know what? Regardless, he was able to verbalize his pain, he was able to verbalize his struggle, which is very healing when you're going through tough times. Reminds me of when I was a student at Southern, when it was Southern College, Southern Adventist University now. I was riding on the back of a good friend's motorcycle. And I had something on my heart, something I was struggling with and trying to figure out what to do. And so I decided, you know what? I'm just gonna share it with him. I'm just gonna tell, I'm just gonna tell him. And so as we rode for about 10 minutes, I courageously unveiled my struggle as we rode along in that motorcycle. And it took a lot out of me. I was wondering, how's he gonna respond? I kind of held my breath a little bit when I was done wondering what he would say. And with a bit of irritation, he raised his voice over the roar of the engine and said, what are you talking about? I can't hear a word you're saying. Well, if I remember correctly, I said, don't worry about it. But it still helped me because I got it out with someone there. The ideal, of course, is to have someone who can, who can hear you, but also someone who listens. Listening is a lost art today, big time. Here's what I believe. If you don't believe it, you're out of my life. I'm not listening. We need to be listeners and be listened to. More than ever, I think, than I've ever seen. We need to be listeners and be listened to. And it's beautiful what will happen when we do that. I'm convinced that many of us in God's church today need healing more than ever. And this is the place to find it, amen? Right here, Triad Adventist Fellowship. If Jesus, God in the flesh, God walking this earth, reached out to other humans in transparency, might we not be wise to do the same? 1 Kings 12, 6 references that Solomon was the wisest man and he had counselors he consulted. Let me ask you the question, do you have counselors you consult? If not, are you wiser than Solomon? Are you wiser than Jesus? We need folks to talk to. We need folks to talk to Many of the most successful people in the world have what I call progress partners. That's a term I use because a lot of people today don't like accountability. They, that word scares them. Do you know accountability is a very positive word? But I use progress partners. These are people who we open up to, who we can trust, who will encourage us, who will pray for us, who will pray with us, who will hold us accountable to the things we say that we want to do and we need to do. And they will point us to God's word and to Jesus and his grace for our strength. Now understand, this is for progress, these people. This is not for forgiveness. There's one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus Christ. Now I may need to, to, uh, to confess to, to you if I have done something against you. That's another story. Proverbs fifteen twenty two says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 16 20 says, Whoever heeds instruction prospers. You want to prosper? So do I. We need progress partners in our lives. James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5.16 speaks to this also. James 5.16 says this. Confess your trespasses one to another. That's if you've harmed someone and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much again we're talking about another human being praying for you and with you someone who understands what you're going through again the strong and the and the wise admit when we have problems we go to Jesus we go to someone else to help point us to Jesus and we find our strength and our victory Keeping a stiff upper lip when I am having problems I am not dealing with well is not wise. If I'm getting victory, great. But if I'm not, I need another plan. I need to connect with somebody on this. And, I, and typically, I don't want to stereotype too much, but typically we men are really good at this. I'm good. No, no problem. Honey, we've been around the block three times. No, it's good. Well, yeah, we'll find our way. I, I don't need the GPS. I don't need to ask for directions. It's good. You know what, though? If we don't ask for direction, we can be lost. Or lose our family, or our jobs, our relationships. Whether you're a man or a woman or a child, we're all sin injured. All of us are sin injured. We're broken, we're in need of God's care. And sometimes, God is loving enough to put someone in our lives To help put our hand in his hand. God does this. He uses people. Proverbs 27, 17. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Admitting my need or weakness to another human being is not... Weakness. it is strength, it is courage, it is vulnerability. And some of you are saying, I know, I, you, I know this, I do this. Yeah, you know who I'm preaching for the most, right? I mean, if it doesn't affect me, it shouldn't, it, it's not gonna affect you, right? But perhaps you're saying, you know, that, that's nice. Yeah, I know. But perhaps you've bared your soul to someone in the past Reached out for help, got burned, gossiped about, or shamed. You know what? The devil wants to now imprison you to say, I'm never doing that again. That's exactly what the devil wants you to say. Because you tried it once and it didn't work, never do that again, and you're right in his trap. You do need to do it again. You need to try again and find someone you can count on who you can talk to, who will believe you, who will listen to you, who will hold you up. Fear will keep you from trying again. Faith in the Savior who loves you and has given you all grace that's necessary will help you to get your help. I have a progress partner. I like to practice what I preach whenever possible. And we meet every two weeks. And he and I both testify this is one of the most strengthening things in our life to live a successful, beautiful, holy Christian life is having a progress partner. You see, I know he's going to ask me questions when I see him next time. It's funny, I know God knows everything about my life, but if I know another human being is going to ask me about it, I will get her done. (laughs) It's amazing how God does this through people. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, reached out in his need to other human beings. We all need Jesus desperately, and sometimes he puts a person in our life to help Us connect with Him. Now I know many times we're tempted to think and say, "Well, I I will depend on Jesus alone. I'm strong. I just Jesus alone." That may be ideal, maybe in an ideal world, and so on and so forth. But alone really is not God's will for His people. Alone is not God. I mean, you see it in the Garden of Eden. He didn't want man to be alone, so he provided a partner. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 reminds us of this also. Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Listen, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered by another, verse 12, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Perhaps this threefold cord could be you, Jesus, and your progress partner. Threefold cord is not easily broken. This is a person, this progress partner is a person who listens to you, again, prays for you, prays with you, holds you accountable, encourages you, helps you talk through your emotional stresses and challenges. Now, all this being said, maybe you don't need this in your life. Maybe you either don't have struggles, which I doubt, or maybe you are actually doing well with just you and Jesus alone. Maybe you're, you're spending time with Jesus in prayer and, and Bible study, and, and that is enough for you. And you are actually overcoming every challenge in your life. You're constantly on an upward trend If that's you, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, praise God. If it works, do it. But I suspect most of you are like me, though even though you're faithfully serving Jesus, you're fully surrendered to Jesus, you're spending time in prayer and and Bible study, you still struggle with things where you need more help than what you're getting. Perhaps God wants to provide that help by another faithful believer somewhere here or somewhere else to stand by your side and encourage you. Galatians 6.2 is where we're told, bear one another's burdens. How can I bear your burden if I don't know what it is? You have to be vulnerable. You have to be transparent one with another. God may want to use another faithful believer as a conduit of his wonderful strength. Maybe you're having trouble staying in the word and praying. Discipline is one of the things many of us are weak on. What happens is when you have a progress partner, they help you through the accountability to develop that discipline over the weeks until you get that in place. The accountability of a progress partner can help us develop that discipline that lets us accomplish more in life, in our spiritual life, our work, our school, our family, our marriage. Proverbs 5.23 says that actually we can die from a lack of discipline a progress partner will bring us that discipline. By the way, we could mention many things in our world today where had people had more discipline in their lives, they'd be alive today. So this could be a life and death situation we're talking about. Proverbs 13, 18 says, he who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart. A progress partner helps us guard our hearts. Here are some questions a progress partner might ask when you get together. Has your thought life been pure since we met last time? So you know that question's gonna be asked of you. How have you been handling the balance between work and home? Have you been in the Word since last time? How often? What has God been teaching you from the Word? That's affected your life. How are you doing in handling God's provision of time and talents and treasures? Are you being responsible in protecting your eyes and your hands and your feet and your mind with people other than your spouse if you're married? And then one really telling and tough question to ask and answer is, have you just lied to me? (laughs) We can do that sometimes. Lie to ourselves, lie to others to cover up our little mess. But when you have a good progress partner, you know you can share and they're not going to condemn you. They're not going to criticize you for making a mistake. So how do you prayerfully choose a progress partner? In case you haven't noticed, I believe in very practical sermons. Uh, It's nice to theologize and so on, but I need something that works right here. And so that's why I'm sharing this. How do you choose a progress partner? First of all, you pray. (laughs) Say, Lord, who is it you want me to connect with? And then you ask yourself, is this someone who's interested in my growth? Someone who'll be interested in your growth. You also want someone who's going to be honest with you. Now, I would say brutally honest, but brutality is never acceptable in the Christian life. Just honest, very honest with you. To say, you know, Gary, uh, I don't think so. Let's talk about that some more. Someone who will constantly point you to God and the word of God as your strength. You don't want them pointing you to themselves as... your your strength someone who's dependable who's actually going to follow up when you say could you text me three times a week reminding me about someone who's actually going to do it they're the type of person who will do it and someone who's going to give you grace when you fall and finally someone who encourages you this is what you look for in a progress partner see I like to say a progress partner has got your back while pressing you forward it's a a positive thing also when we're helping others we benefit also that's the beauty of it you really can't help someone else without you being helped given it shall be given unto you it removes our self-centeredness when we're ministering to someone else so it grows us also when we are doing that for someone else and so imagine what god's church can be like and triad adventist fellowship may already be exemplifying this, but imagine what God's church can be like when we're all practicing transparency in this manner. The church will exude it. People will feel it when they walk in. When they know they can be transparent at church that it's safe, that it's confidential, they'll not leave as easily. They'll be bringing their friends. This place will be filling up and filling up and filling up. Now, again, while we've all been created by a loving God in the image of God, I mean, we're designed for accomplishment, engineered for success, endowed with the seeds of greatness, we're still all broken human beings. We need healing. And through the power of Christ, friends, through the power of Christ, we can have the healing we really need to move forward in faith, but not without transparency. Can you imagine breaking your leg, okay, breaking your leg, and then refusing to admit it and go to a doctor. So somebody sees you, you're like this. Uh, and they say, they ask a dumb question. Are you okay? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fine, right? That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's kind of humorous and, and totally stupid. So is being broken emotionally and saying, I'm good, but it's a lot easier to get away with when you're broken emotionally. When we need help, we need to get help. And we all need help in some way. And that includes transparency. And so, recognizing my problem, working on it, that's not negative, that is positive, it is spiritual, it is biblical because it opens you up to receive the healing God wants you to have, and your church wants to have, and your family needs to have. Because when I'm healed, my family's gonna be in a better place. When I'm healed, my church is gonna be in a better place because I won't be trying to control somebody and criticize somebody. So when I'm healed, everybody around me starts to get the benefits of my healing. We need to be see-through if we're going to be see-through Christians and grow in this life. Be the loving place God would have this church to be. Now for years, I have been telling over the years my testimony of how I've come to Christ. And I've, I've always liked doing that. People are encouraged by that when we do that type of thing. But for some time, God has been leaning on me through the Holy Spirit Reminding me I hadn't been sharing all my testimony And somehow I'd put some of it out of my mind And that's when I started getting nervous when the Holy Spirit started telling me that And um, he said there are some parts I know you thought you never should tell or could tell uh, But I need you to do that because people need to hear that from you as a leader And so I talked to the other leaders at the Carolina Conference, the other officers, and they know my story. And I said, I I feel like I'm led that I'm supposed to share this. What do you think? And they said, yes, you need to. Even though I understand it could affect things. (laughs) But anyway, because I've encouraged our pastors to be transparent, to have progress partners, to get with another person. And God said, okay, set the example for them. So when I was a teen some friends and I were in the woods one day playing, and we found a magazine in the woods. Anybody, anybody want to guess what type of magazine we found in the woods? Yeah, right? It was not, it was not popular science. It was, a, it was a pornographic magazine. Long story short, that is the catalyst the devil used to eventually imprison me in addiction to pornography and sexual addiction went from the from my childhood years all the way into adulthood into my first part part way into my first marriage and I have to tell you years of pornography warped my thinking I mean our thinking is already warped as humans but it warped my thinking and I came to the place for a number of reasons where I thought I convinced myself that this was okay that this is just what guys do Uh, It's normal. There are no victims in this. And repeated use of pornography really brought me to the place where it was natural for me when I would see a woman to immediately have inappropriate thoughts. It just became natural, natural. And the more these thoughts ruminated in my mind, the worse it got. Sometimes my mind was virtually raging with lust where I I really couldn't think. I, I was just distracted by it. I would go, and thank God this was before the days of the internet, I would go and buy a magazine, which was embarrassing to have to do, but I would go buy a magazine, and I could not wait until I got home when I would get to a traffic light so I could open up and and just worship my idols. That's really what it is, idolatry. When I was 19... I met a waitress my age who had a small apartment and we started dating and you know where this is going. The relationship very quickly turned inappropriate. My first experience of this type. And it was the physical aspect that kept me in the relationship for as long as I did. And the reason I say it was that that kept me in it is because I found out she was married and living separately from her husband. They were separated because she had found out he was bisexual and had been cheating on her with another man. She had also lost her baby due to a fight she had with her husband where he kicked her and she had a miscarriage. She also told me that if he ever caught us together, he would kill me. And yet I kept seeing her because of my addiction. You getting this? I could have lost my life, but the addiction kept me there. I stayed until I realized she was a cocaine addict. Now, we both drank alcohol and used marijuana, but I had my standards, you know? But when I realized cocaine was more important to her than anything else, then I cut off the relationship. And when I did, I realized how empty it had been all along. You know, and I know, sex is not just a physical act. There's an emotional side to it that's supposed to be there in a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. But without that commitment, it's dysfunctional and damaging. God created sex to be a beautiful thing in marriage, but this was anything but beautiful. It had become ugly. What I didn't realize then was how deeply I likely hurt her. I know I wasn't a Christian at the time, and I can use that as my excuse, I suppose. But this young lady had had a rough life, a broken relationship, and I just broke another one. She needed help, and instead of helping her, I unintentionally hurt her further. I initiated a relationship that never should have been. She was married. And then, when I discovered she had major problems, as if I didn't, then I walked away understand it was right to get out of the relationship but because i had created an emotional physical tie that never should have been in the first place even getting out caused damage and this is what happens when we go aside from this book as soon as we stray from truth we're headed down a road that will tie us up sometimes we're getting out even causes damage staying in causes damage I shared my pain and emptiness with no one Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8 speaks to what I was I was and would be continuing to experience Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8 says this do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So my addiction continued. No one had any idea. I hid it well. I lived an otherwise decent life. Anyone would have told you? Hey, Gary's a nice guy. No problems there. But after I met Laurie, who was my wife-to-be, my first wife-to-be, we started living together, which shows I learned absolutely nothing so far. Then I discovered I had contracted a sexually transmitted disease, a souvenir of my previous relationship, and passed it on to Laurie. And so thankfully it was treatable, but the treatment we both had to undergo was not only painful, but it was humiliating. Sin's painful consequences continue. I learned that sexual sin is not victimless. At least three people were now affected. I had gotten, had I gotten help early on, none of this would have needed to happen. Had I been transparent, had I gotten a progress partner, none of this would have happened. Sex was now replacing my relationship with God, which is what I really needed, which is what we all really need. Whatever consumes our attention the most is our idol. Our idol. And it's trying to steal God from us. I needed more and more and could not be satiated. That's what God wants in our relationship with him, to want more and more of Jesus, to embrace him and to never let go of him. So how did I get free? Bit of an interesting story. Laurie and I eventually got married, which is, again, the only context where sex is a blessing and not a curse. We were deeply in love, but all was not right on the home front because I was still using pornography. Remember now, I thought this was okay. This was normal. There are no no victims here, right? No one ever confronted that thinking. So I kept doing it until one day I was sitting on the sofa with a magazine. And I I, I just sensed Laurie's presence. I saw her. She was standing there looking at me, and I looked up. And there were tears in her eyes and with a trembling voice, she said, you know, when I see you looking at those women, it makes me feel like I can never measure up. It broke my heart. broke my heart. I had no idea what my selfishness had been doing to her, the the true love of my life. Victimless? No. Because she had cystic fibrosis, all her life she struggled to breathe. Just to breathe, she struggled. Should she now have to battle, have another struggle against these glossy, airbrushed, images of women that she could never live up to. And the pain and the guilt of what I had been doing and how I had hurt her so pierced my soul that I vowed then and there never to touch pornography again. My love for her and my broken heart helped me emotionally make that commitment. But I tell you, it's the confrontation and accountability that Laurie provided that day that God used to help me carry out that commitment because I was now accountable to her, another human being, the love of my life. I could no longer fool myself that this was okay, and I never used porn again. Does that mean I didn't continue to struggle with a mindset? Many of us will struggle all our lives with a mindset. It's called temptation. We're tempted every day. We struggle with this type of thing. But the beautiful thing is we can be free from acting on temptation. God can do that in us. Because because years after breaking through from porn use, I still would have images pop up into my mind at the worst possible times, like when I'm driving to church as a pastor to preach. (laughs) The sooner though we humble ourselves and practice transparency and get the help and accountability, the better. The sooner we do it, the better. You can think about it. Yeah, I should do that. No, you need to do it. Start today. Start praying. Who is it I need to talk to? Because you know what? The longer we do what we're doing, whatever it is, like with me, put impure images in my brain, the deeper I etch those neural pathways. And every time I go down that pathway, it's easier and easier and easier. The sooner I break it, the better. Now, you may not struggle with addictions. If so, praise God if you don't struggle with any addictions. Hallelujah. But you know what? You struggle with temptation. Proverbs 4.23 said, Remember, above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from it, from the heart. When we allow pride and fear, though, to hold us back from being accountable, from, from being transparent, we're, we're just being self-focused, which feeds more of the addiction or the, whatever we're dealing with. And you know what happens also? When we have a struggle we're having with, with sin... And we keep stuffing it, stuffing it, stuffing And not sharing it Sometimes what happens is we get critical of other people We see minute problems in other people And we start pointing those out We start trying to control other people And things go downhill For us and the people around us But when we confess And we put our pride and fear aside And ask for help We're on our way to healing ourselves and those around us Mike Donahue wrote this song So you thought you had to keep it up all this work that you do so we think that you're good. Right? This is, where the, this is where the... Let me, lost my page here. And you can't believe it's not enough. All the walls you build up are just glass on the outside. So let them fall down. There's freedom waiting in the sound. When you let your walls fall to the ground, we're here now. This is where the healing begins. This is where the healing starts. When you come to where you're broken within, the light meets the dark. Afraid to let your secrets out, everything that you hide can come crashing through the door now, but too scared to face all your fears, so you hide but you find that the shame won't disappear. So let it fall down. There's freedom waiting in the sound when you let your walls fall to the ground. We're here now. This is where the healing begins. This is where the healing starts. When you come to where you're broken within, the light meets the dark. Sparks will fly as grace collides with the dark inside of us. So please don't fight this coming light let this blood come cover us his blood can cover us this is where the healing begins this is where the healing starts when you come to where you're broken within the light meets the dark brothers and sisters sparks may fly as we reach out in transparency to god when that light meets the dark but transparency is where the healing begins it's where it begins are you ready to let the walls fall down in your life are you ready to let the light in, to finally overcome? Are you willing to reach out to another human being if you're not yet doing it? Are you willing to start praying today? Say, Lord, who is it? Lead me to the person that you want to use to make me the person you'd have me to be and to bless them also. Be assured, if you'll do it, God will bless you. He will bless you. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to trust him, and follow in this. I want to pray with you. Lord, you were transparent. You were God on earth when you walked this place and you reached out to other human beings for help. May we be as humble as you were, as transparent as you were. May we get our help from you with the help of others when need be, but definitely through you. Lord, guide us in this today. Do not let us rest until we have found peace with you through help from you, through another person. Guide us in this, Lord. We trust you. We love you. We so much appreciate your grace. We need you, and we thank you. We claim victory in Christ, in Jesus' name, amen.